Welcome to episode 5 of The Purple Path with a Yell, a podcast where we explore what it means to live life in pursuit of radical authenticity. I'm so excited to bring you this week's guest, Amanda Bisker. She is someone who has always inspired me through the grace in which she embodies her authentic nature and artistic expression as a way of living and being. Amanda is an intuitive, soft-hearted creative based in Northern California. She works in the mental health field and has an educational background in clinical psychology. Alongside her passion for accessibility in psychological services, she takes great pleasure in viewing life through the lens of a mystic. Amanda hosts monthly women's circles where she creates intentional spaces to nurture innate human connection through mindfulness, transparency, and mutual storytelling. Her spiritual path includes connecting with nature, fostering healing environments, and destigmatizing what it means to be a sensitive person. In this conversation, Amanda and I talk about what it's like to be a highly sensitive person in this world without letting it harden us. We talk about being human and messy and allowed to make mistakes, being introverted and finding the balance between putting ourselves out there and taking time to ourselves. How Amanda, despite being an introvert, started her own women's circle in her living room and how that came about. Amanda also shares her very personal journey with chronic depression and the tools she has developed and sought out on her healing journey. I also want to preface this conversation with a disclaimer. Amanda and I both talk about our experiences with psychedelics as a therapeutic tool and medicine in this episode. We do in no way encourage people to engage with these substances lightheartedly, without proper guidance, or as a party substance. So I urge you to listen with an open mind and to do your own research as well. We are by no means any experts on these matters. We are just sharing our personal experiences here. So for this week's Patreon bonus, Amanda and I are co-hosting an online women's circle on Sunday, the 22nd of October at 5 p.m. Pacific time. There is limited availability as we want to keep it intimate to create a really nurturing experience for those involved. So it's first come first served and sign up is available for all female identifying people on patreon.com slash the purple path. And you do not need to be a paying subscriber to participate in this Patreon bonus as we wanted to make it really accessible. So just head over to the Patreon. There's a link in the show notes of this episode as well. And check out the full details for the event and sign up there. Amanda is also sharing a very personal piece of poetry on the Patreon, which is linked to one of the experiences that we talk about in this episode. And this will be available for subscribers at the $3 level. The purpose of this Patreon is to help me keep this podcast completely ad-free and to build further community and connection with the people who love and resonate with this podcast and its guests. So thank you so, so much to those of you who are supporting and um, just know that it really means the world to me. Okay, now let's dive into this week's episode of The Purple Path with the beautiful human that is Amanda Visker. Hi, Amanda, and welcome to The Purple Path. Hi, I'm so grateful to be here. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad to have you here and to be able to share your beautiful essence with the people who listen to this podcast. So I'd like to start off by inviting you to speak a bit about yourself, your journey in life so far, and where you find yourself now. Yeah, where do I even start? Um, hmm, my name is Amanda, and I'm from a very small town in the foothills in California. Um, I, mm, I'm very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. I love that. This is, you know, this podcast, this podcast is all about that. Like literally yeah. I've been so nervous from the moment that I started this podcast. <laughs> and you're mm. actually the first guest to admit that they're nervous. And that is like a really? huge comfort to me as well, honestly. <laughs> Because that's the funny thing is like, I didn't, I didn't even feel ready to start this podcast. You know, I was mm. like, I know I'm going to be nervous. Like I don't have the skills, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 you know, but then you just like you power through it <laughs> and maybe it's a little bit shaky now and again, but it's okay. I think people appreciate, you know, hearing for people that are just human, you know, people that totally. make mistakes, people that are flawed and <laughs> that's beautiful. Totally. Yes, I am nervous. That's just my authentic feeling right now. Um, I also think it's very funny because I'll get I'll get into who I am in a second. But I did want to share this <laughs> thing I think is really funny. And that is when you asked me to be on your podcast about authenticity, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking like, okay, I need to like really prepare. I even messaged you and asked you like, is there anything I can do to prepare in my mind? Like, what can I do to be more authentic in the next two weeks? And it's like, that's <laughs> not really how this works. You know, I, I should feel, and I do feel <laughs> very grateful. <laughs> Just the idea and the fact that you asked me to be on here means that I allude or I, um, yeah, I, I am authentic, yes, whether or not I, I feel authentic <laughs> or not. I sure am. Sometimes nervousness and anxiousness is, you know, being authentic and, and that's it. So anyways, I just wanted to share that little funny story. But really okay, is. so I love that. <laughs> here, here's me. Here I am. I'm Amanda. I'm from a small town in Northern California. I really enjoy humor. I really enjoy being you know, telling jokes and being funny and sharing laughs. Um, I, when I was 17, I moved to New York City on my own. Um, and that was a very complicated and beautiful and scary and lovely period of my life. I was there for five years. And that's where I met the wonderful AL. <laughs> and then I moved back to California in 2020. Um, where I live in Northern California, in Sacramento, in the capital. And I consider myself a very creative person. Um, I was trying to think this morning, how do I describe my creativity? And I think that's it's very hard for me to describe because I'm not a traditional artist in the sense where, you know, I have uh, work to show, whether that's through music or through paintings or through... I'm sure as you've seen, you know, on my social media, I don't share a whole lot of uh, at least what I create. And I just think I live, it's very corny maybe, but I just feel like I live very artistically in the way that I interact with people, uh, in the way that I have relationships with my friends, in the way that I meet new people, in the way that I 
cultivate and grow my relationships with my friends and my partner and my family. Um, I just, I live artistically and, and you're just going to have to believe me. <laughs> I do believe you. I know it. I know it to be true. Like, mm. honestly, I would say you are art. Mm. <laughs> That's how you feel to me. Right. And That's every time, sweet. every time you post on your socials, it's art because it's just Aww. you being you. And, and there's just like this innate artful essence, creative essence to it. That's really mm. beautiful. I appreciate so, that. Yes, definitely. And I, I love that because it just goes to show how much more there is to being a creative person than, um, you know, having to put out productivity and all of these different, you know, works of art. Like you can still live an artful life, a creative lifestyle and be a creative person and Absolutely. not have to constantly be showcasing yourself, you know, mm -hmm. that's really valid. And that's something that I really admire about you. Thank you. As well as, yes, as well as this um, innate softness and lightness that you carry, it's really soothing to be mm. in your presence. Aww. So I want to ask, how do you stay soft in a hard world? Oh, that's a great question. Um, When I lived in New York, I felt like I was just over the years getting worn and worn and worn down. And I was starting to feel and act and be very hard and very harsh. And what that looks like to me is um, not acting in alignment with my values and with the things that I want and with the person that I know that I truly am, which is a very soft person. I feel very seen that you said that. Um, so your question was, how do I say stay soft in a world that is very hard? And hmm, I feel like there's a lot of different things that I do to do that. I feel like um, being in nature really helps me to stay soft. It really helps me to ground myself. And it really reminds myself of who I am in the grand scheme of things, which is just a very small part of earth, part of life. Um, I feel like being honest with myself and with my loved ones really helps me to stay soft, particularly when it's really hard to be gentle like when I'm angry when my partner and I might be disagreeing about something when I'm you know might be upset at my mom for something I think that acknowledging the anger and the feelings of hardness and um, just relaxing into that and continuing to show empathy and to continue Continue to show love, I think, is just, uh, for me, it's it's about being, oh my gosh, I can't speak. <laughs> You're doing beautifully, okay? <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> I'm enjoying it thoroughly. <laughs> I think, here's what I think. Here's what I think, Al. Are you ready? Yes. I think it's just about being mindful. Um, I think that's, that's my, that's my trick. It's just about being mindful. Yes, definitely. And I do think that there's something to be said for having this innate quality as well. Mm. Like 
there's something um, that's just been there, you know, um, mm-hmm. like even if it gets, like you said, muddled in spaces like maybe New York that are mm-hmm. very tough to live in and that are very kind of masculine driven places to be. Um, it's always there and it kind of keeps calling you back. Right. It keeps mm-hmm. uh, nudging you towards returning to that essence, towards reconnecting with that essence and um, if I'm not mistaken, I think that mm-hmm. might have been one of the reasons why you moved back to Sacramento and um, being able to kind of reconnect to these parts of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think I just really needed um, a grounding environment. And I think a big part of who I am right now is my ability to come home in an apartment that's relatively quiet and cuddle with my dog and, um, you know, read a book and just feel like I'm safe, um, which unfortunately is not how I felt in, in many places that I lived in New York for, for various reasons. Mm. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, not feeling safe. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, actually, like living in the state on a whole for me Mm. was an experience of feeling like the least safe I've ever felt in my life, Mm -hmm. honestly. But I was also in those spaces in, in New York, in LA, in these like very tough kind of environments and concentrations of people. And so I definitely resonate with that and, and the need Mm. to um, seek out places where you actually feel more safe so that you can regulate your nervous system once more, so that you can make a sense of home, even if it's within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think just thinking about what that means to live in a very, like, air quote, hard place is, I think it's just those kinds of places are just extremely individualized. It's a place where you feel like everyone's only looking out for themselves. And, you know, even, of course, California is like that as well to different degrees. And I think... What's been really interesting um, about just my experience getting older and growing up and living in different places and traveling and meeting different people is I feel like I'm walking this this fine line between practicing and, and having my grounding practices and returning back to myself and saying staying soft, but also challenging myself Um to go outside of my comfort zone and to feel uncomfortable. I actually think that that's really healthy to feel uncomfortable and even to feel unsafe every now and then. I think that there's, um, I think that that can be a really positive thing. Definitely. I really agree with that. And I think that it's something that can be quite tricky Mm -hmm. when you are this kind of highly sensitive person that I definitely mm-hmm. identify as and I have a feeling For that sure. you do too mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and somewhat of an introvert like sometimes an extreme introvert at times of actually. course yeah yeah and it can be so tempting to just like shut the world out and retreat into this cocoon yeah. And um, sometimes you really have to force yourself out of it and be like, okay, we need to go and interact with the world right now. Like there's a reason we're on this planet and it's not just to like sit by ourselves. Totally, so, totally. Yeah, that's been a journey for sure. And mm. I remember 
being really inspired by you last time we Mm -hmm. spoke, which I think was back in springtime, actually. And you Mm -hmm. were telling me about how you've started hosting these women's circles at your house. Yes. And yeah, I was wondering if you could tell the story of how that came about and what that's been like for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So when I was living in New York, I felt like one of the things I really struggled with was just not having a community, not feeling like a part of of something greater than myself. Um, I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but living in a big city is very lonely. It can be very isolating, particularly if you, you know, are working full time, multiple jobs, which most people are. Um, so this one random night I was out at this concert of a friend of a friend, um, and my friend introduced me to her friend, Emily, um, and I'm just meeting her for the very first time. And one of the first things she says to me is I have a women's circle. You should come to it. And I remember feeling very uncomfortable and feeling like that is a very, it feels like a very intimate thing to ask. I don't know you at all. Um, and I was actually really against the idea. <laughs> it sounded pretty awful to me as an introvert. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we exchanged numbers mostly out of politeness on my end. And, you know, we went home and, and a couple weeks later she texted me and she was like, hey, I'm, I'm having my women's circle. It's at my apartment. Um, here's the address. Feel free to bring someone. And... I was just thinking about it more and more and more as time went on, um, debating whether or not she might be a serial killer. Um, (laughs) I decided that she's likely, most likely not. So I decided to try it out. Um, at this point in my life, I've shared with this, I've shared this with you before, but I have historically really, really struggled with depression. Um, for most of my life, from a very young age, I've had a major depressive disorder and it's just, it's, has always been around is what it feels like. Um, I'll share in a little bit how I've, I've kind of overcome that, uh, now in my life, but for a long time and particularly at this time in my life, I was just really struggling with that. And as you mentioned, I, I was in the state of, of needing to feel comfortable and needing to just wanting to not be outside of my comfort zone, even though it might not be what I truly need to feel better. So I decided to go outside of my comfort zone and do this women's circle. And it was, I think there was like 10 women there. It was pretty large in this very small New York, you know, Brooklyn apartment. We were all packed like sardines. Um, And it was incredible. I don't use the words life-changing lightly or often, but it truly was life-changing. She hosted them once a month, and I just got to meet people who were struggling with things very similar and very different also from my own struggles and experiences. And I just felt so connected to this larger community, um, not even just a community, but like a, a group of women, which is just really, I just didn't know that I needed female energy, I guess, until until I was there in it. So, wow. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You didn't know that you needed it until you mm-hmm. were there. That's beautiful. And I very much feel like that is the case for a lot of women. Like mm. we get so used to 
not having that support system, I guess, or not having those um, those kinds of friend circles. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it's hard being in a society where women are so often pitted against each other to yes. really get that sense of camaraderie, you know? Absolutely. Like, <clears throat> yeah, it's definitely something that that is lacking. So I can I can just imagine that when you find it, it must feel like such a huge relief. Like it's mm. something that I've only kind of discovered this intense yearning for that mm -hmm. within the last year, honestly. And the funny thing is that the yearning has always been there, mm. but I didn't know what it was, right? Yeah. And so it's actually something that has come up to the surface through intense healing and working with um, with mushrooms, working with psilocybin. Mm. That has been something that has kind of been exposed to me, the sisterhood wound. And also in all the ways in which I haven't been able to show up for like my female friends or mm -hmm. to create the kind of spaces, safe spaces that I would like to see more of because I've been so wrapped up in my own stuff and my own trauma mm -hmm. and just recognizing that and, and meeting that version of myself from a place of compassion and then being able to move forward in a more intentional way has been life-changing as well even though I haven't had that experience yet mm. <laughs> of attending women's circles every month and getting that sense of you know deep connection it's something that I feel um, like just noticing that yearning has put me in touch with so many more women from all around the world during this last year and building these really beautiful new friendships and also just being able to reconnect with the women that are already in my life from a place of just hearing them and seeing them more than I have before, I think. Absolutely. I think also like working on deepening the connections that we currently have is like just as valuable as making new connections. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to hear that, you know, you're also on this sisterhood journey too. It's really fun. Yeah. It's really also at times uncomfortable and it's new and it's exciting and it just makes me feel so loved and so seen in a way that I just haven't felt before. Um, I went to these women's circles. The way I explained it, it might have seemed like it was very recent, but this was like five or six years ago when I was living in New York. Um, and COVID happened. I moved back to California. And it wasn't until last year. So there was a long time, like many years between, you know, me not going to my friends' women's circles and me creating my own. I was starting to feel very lonely and isolated in uh, California as well. And, you know, I, part of the reason why I moved to California is so that I could feel um, like I'm a part of a community again. You know, it's the place I grew up in and I have family here and, and I moved back and I was still feeling very isolated. That feeling didn't change. Um, and so I just knew in my heart that I had to be the person to initiate you know, creating these feelings of closeness. It's not just going to happen to me um, if I move somewhere else, if I change environments. It's its not just going to happen, um, you know. So I, I have people over at my house, give or take, every month. 
um, you know, life happens. <laughs> so sometimes it's a yeah. little longer than a month, but, um, yeah, it's really, really, really beautiful. Um, I just invite at first, my first one was my friends, just friends that I knew and grew up with. And that was really great. However, I, after that, I realized that it wasn't any different than just hanging out with my friends, which is also really <laughs> great. But, you know, what I really take from my, my circles the most is inviting complete strangers, just how my now friend, Emily approached me at a concert and said, Hey, you, I have a woman's circle, come to it. Uh, and that changed my life. And I, I hope that if I, um, you know, approach women in the same way that she approached me, I might be able to inspire them half as much as she inspired me. And that's kind of how it's been. I'll see someone on the street and say, Hey, your top is really cute. I have a women's circle. You should come to it. <laughs> uh, oh and God. that's how I've been that's, recruiting. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I've I made some that. really beautiful, beautiful connections with people so far. So yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. I mm-hmm. yeah, I, like I mentioned, I find that super inspiring because it's definitely something that I I want to do as well. And mm. um something that I think that has felt kind of intimidating to me before because I've mm. I've been like women's circle, like you have to have this like facilitation experience and like, mm. you know, like do this whole thing and make it an event. Like, what do you do? I have to like guide a meditation and then do all of these things. <laughs> and whilst that's all great, you know, like mm-hmm. the more, um, you know, skills and things you can bring into it, I'm sure that's lovely. But I think that uh, now that I've kind of started hearing from more people and also attending some women's circles, I've started realizing that, oh, like, it literally can just be a gathering of women mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, just, you know, trying to host this safe space, like doing the best you can to, you know, try and make it a safe space. And um, and yeah, just just to have a space for women to uh, connect to each other. Like it doesn't mm. need to be anything like you don't need frills or anything. It it can just be that experience. And that's really valuable in itself. Totally. I am a recovering perfectionist. And so when I first started these women's circles, I called my friend, Emily, who used to run them in New York. And I was like, how do you, like, how did you do it? I want to know exactly how you did it. You know, what kinds of things do I say? What, are there any rules? Like, you know, and I just kind of realized that there's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. There's no just like there's no right or wrong way to be authentic and to be yourself. I think the most important thing is just to show up and in full transparency, almost every time I have these meetings, which has been a little over six months now, I still have anxiety. I still have fears. I'm still thinking, what if no one shows up? Um, You know, what if people don't get anything out of it? What if people don't care? And I still do it. And every single time I do not regret it because I leave well, I don't leave. It's my own apartment. So I stay, everyone else leaves. And I always feel so, (laughs) my heart feels so full, like in a way, again, that it's just never felt before. It's been really wonderful connecting with my community in a way that feels very true to me and very authentic. And oftentimes it's me 
sitting in a circle sharing how anxious I am or how scared I am about something. Um, I think the most rewarding part of that is learning that everyone can relate to that um, and that there's always going to be people who will support you in your journey no matter where you are, even if it's not where you want to be. I love that. Another thing that I wanted to touch on is um, you and I have both struggled with depression and it's something you mentioned earlier in the interview as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe that you've had more of a chronic diagnosis, like you mentioned as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I was wondering, yeah, if you'd be willing to speak more on that and what your journey with depression has been like. Absolutely. So as I mentioned from a very early age, I remember being probably like close to eight and seeing actually an advertisement on TV for um, a depression medication. And I had no idea what depression was um, or really anything about mental health as no one really does when they're nine. And I remembered seeing, you know, the classic advertisement listing all of the symptoms for depression. Do you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning? Do you feel very pessimistic? Do you have low self-esteem? You know, listing all of these things. And me being so young, I identified with every single one of those things. And I realized, I think this is what's going on. I've always felt very different than other people my age. Um, Growing up, I've always struggled with my emotions. As you mentioned, I'm, and can relate to, I'm a highly sensitive person. And growing up and not knowing what to do, um, being a highly sensitive person and not knowing how to cope with all these emotions that are coming up was really hard. Um, And it kind of manifested itself into depression. You know, I was feeling all of these really, really big, strong, even existential feelings as a very young child. And I just, I did not know what to do with those feelings. And so what happened, it turned into anger that I turned towards myself, which what ultimately I think depression is. Um, And also as someone who grew up with very limited resources to um, housing, to food, to uh, mental health, resources, over time, it just kind of accumulated uh, more and more. And as I got older, um, I just really was acting out of alignment, I think, to who I knew who I really was, which is a very soft, empathetic, also strong person. Um, Yeah, it wasn't really until about five to seven years ago that I went to therapy for the first time that I was able to really put my head in the mouth of the beast, uh, so to say, and really look inwards and um, work through all of the years and years and years of um, negative emotions that I've been feeling and, and accept those and grow into who I am today and who I am continuing to become. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. And another thing that I wanted to ask you about is this medical trial that I believe you've 
uh, been a participant in over the last year. Could you tell us more about that and how that has also helped or what that's been like? Absolutely. Um, so a very transformative part of moving through and understanding my depression um, was being a part of esketamine treatments, um, which was just, I think, in the past couple years uh, legalized in the States. I don't know if it's all of the States, but at least where I am. Um, and what that looked like, I did it for about a year since I was really, really heavy into my depression and since I had a, a clinical diagnosis on paper um, that trailed for years and years. I qualified for like the very like heaviest of heavy uh, treatment options with that. So I, that was twice a week I would do these ketamine treatments um, and each session would last about three, three and a half hours. So, you know, it's not just a quick in and out. It's a full mind body experience. Three hours is a long time. Wow. Um, yeah. Would you like to yeah. know what that felt like? <laughs> yes. That was the next thing I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> I would love so to know. The only way that I am able to come close to accurately describing it is if every single body, if, if every single muscle in your body relaxed, like you had no choice but to be the most relaxed you've ever been, um, which is really transformative of, as someone who experiences anxiety, who's very naturally very tense. Um, just having my physical body feel relaxed just was, again, like very life-changing. I felt I was forced to feel very safe. And at first that was very scary. But then over time, the, the more I did it, you know, it was twice a week for months and months and months and months. So it's not like one or two sessions is going to do anything. Just like one or two meditations isn't going to do anything. Just like one or two um, really anything, one or two glasses of water isn't going to do anything, you know, in order to keep yourself hydrated, you have to drink your water every day in order to practice mindfulness. You have to meditate every day. Um, so the feeling that you felt psychologically is, is similar ish to, um, doing shrooms, you are, at least for me, it felt very psychedelic and very spiritual. I feel like um, I've always been very intentional with mushrooms and very spiritual. And that's how I chose to um, experience esketamine as well. I would listen to Tara Brock podcasts. She is my home girl. Um, <laughs> she's a uh, meditation teacher who practices, um, she has Buddhist values, which I align with. Um, and I've just had these insane experiences. Sometimes it would never be the same. Sometimes I'd go in and I'd be sobbing about something that I completely forgot about, but remembered when I was a child. Um, sometimes I would go in and feel like, like I finally knew what it's like to fully be held and loved by the world and accepted. Um, I had this one experience. I was always very close with my grandma growing up. And I had this experience, one of my last experiences um, doing this treatment, 
I envisioned her and I dancing through the sky um, together, which was really nice and very healing. Mm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do really resonate with that. Um, you know, I haven't been on uh, a medical trial, but mm-hmm. been um, doing my own little therapeutic sessions uh, with psilocybin over the last year. Mm. And similarly, every single time there's something new, something else that comes up, sometimes I'll think that, oh, like I have this feeling and I think I want to work on this and I'll set an intention and it'll guide me to a completely different place. And every oh, time totally. it will give me, yeah, every time it will be exactly what I need, but I just didn't know mm. it, you know? Not what you like, expected. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like one time, I think it was this spring, I had just undergone this uh, traumatic experience and mm-hmm. um, I was taking it with the intention of like, I want to pro- process these feelings, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, instead of processing feelings, I found myself at the bottom of the ocean, just <laughs> resting and being mm-hmm. held by the ocean and just this immense peace and just, I was so tired And it was like Mm. the universe was saying, like, you know what? Right now you don't need to process anything. (laughs) Just Mm. rest. Like, that's all you need right now is just rest. And to be in such a safe space of of having, yeah, the opportunity to really tap into that deep restorative rest. Like you mentioned, you know, it's really difficult sometimes to even get your body into such a relaxed state. So... That was a huge relief for me and really kind of pointed me in the direction of like, okay, I'm going to listen to my body and just give it this this time to just rest and not force anything. And then a few weeks later, all of the emotions that had been trapped, because I knew that they were trapped somewhere, mm-hmm. eventually they were ready to come up and I was mm-hmm. able to purge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. And I love, you know, I very much resonate with the idea that emotions come up and it's not what we expect, but oftentimes that's what we need. And I love that imagery of you just like resting deep in the bottom of the ocean and feeling very held. And and um, that's just so cool. And I feel like a really cool part of being on this healing journey is is learning that um, we we create, we are we have so much more power than we think that we do. We have the power to create these safe spaces to feel this way. And I feel like oftentimes we turn towards others, whether that be our partner or our parents or, you know, moving to a different state like I did in order to um, to search and look for this feeling. And oftentimes we just need to sit and feel our feelings and we we have the power to make that space for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. We do. And I'm so happy that, you know, you've had the opportunity to experience that as well, Um, especially as someone who's been struggling with depression for a long time. I know uh, what a huge relief it can feel like when you're finally given the safe space to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And in terms of, you know, having limited resources as well, uh, unfortunately, we live in a society where mental health is still not... um, respected to the degree that it should be and included as universal basic right, which it should be. And so um, it's very disproportionate which people actually have access to 
uh, these healing experiences in which people do not. And it is my hope that there's going to be more of an opportunity for these safe spaces for us to um, use these medicines in a therapeutic way, in a safe space, you know, actually have access to it. Um, Because as it is right now, you know, most people would use these medicines as party drugs. And that is, you Mm -hmm. know, absolutely not what they're for. (laughs) So... I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing, you know, more um, legalized action so that we can actually incorporate these medicines into these therapeutic spaces more so. And, um, yeah, just create a better um, relationship to them. Absolutely. I think one of the greatest barriers to, um, you know, people having access to not only these medications, but uh, therapy and warm food on the table that's very therapeutic and very Very therapeutic oh my god (laughs) yes oh don't even get me started on hot tea um yes and oh a safe house is accessibility and I feel I've always felt the older I get the more I am in the career path that I am the greater I feel called towards creating greater accessibility towards healing services. That's ultimately just what I want to do um, is just create, whether that's through art therapy, whether that's through women's circles forever and until I'm 120. Um, I just think it's so important and fun and um, healing. And I think everyone deserves a chance to feel loved and to um, have access to healing. Definitely. And everyone deserves a chance to catch their breath. (laughs) Like, uh, I think before we started this call, we were talking a bit about um, feeling burnt out. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think that the way that society is set up and and the way that it expects us to work kind of inevitably um, forces a lot of people into burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. and, And it's so prevalent. You know, I see it in so many of my friends and, and myself. And it's not just that it happens once, you know, it, it kind of keeps happening over and over again, uh, even as people are trying to find their balance. And yeah, I, one thing that really bothers me is this lack of um, of space for, for people to just catch their breath. Like it's mm-hmm. difficult enough to, to process uh, trauma and all of these things, but when you're just surviving, you know, it's like, it's nearly impossible sometimes if all you're thinking about is how you're going to get food on the table and how you're going to pay your bills, then mm-hmm. like all the rest kind of gets put on pause, understandably so. And yeah, we just need more, um, more spaces, um, and more initiatives in society that allows people safe spaces where they can recover from burnout, where they can, yeah, just catch their breath and, and kind of even to start thinking about a way out of it. You know, you kind Mm -hmm. of need to have um, a place like not everybody. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, when the pandemic hit, what a lot of people did was they went back home to their parents, right? And they stayed mm-hmm. there. And and for a lot of people, it was a catalyst for maybe some great things. And also, you know, going through really, really tough um, challenges as well. But 
it's such a huge privilege, you know, to be able to even have that space to go back to being able to go back to a parent's house and just mm. rest and like recover. And um, as someone who's from Sweden, I know that a lot of people that I grew up with and um, a lot of people in my family have that privilege of being able to do that. Whereas <clears throat> I also know a lot of people who don't have that privilege. And I see, you know, the disparity of like how much more difficult it is to mm. steer your life in new directions, to have the energy to even think about making a career change or pursuing something different or even to think about being authentic and living a life in pursuit of radical authenticity, which is what this podcast is about. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really difficult to do if you don't have that privilege. And if you always just have to keep um, fighting for your life, mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. <laughs> so I went off on a little rant there. <laughs> but no, I, just... <laughs> I, I agree yeah. with everything you're saying. It really resonates with me. Um, I don't think I've ever shared this with you. Maybe I have. Um, well, I guess I'll share it with you over this podcast and a bunch of other people. Um, but over COVID, so, you know, I moved back to California, like I explained, um, kind of in search of this feeling of going back and being grounded and feeling safe. Um, that's also a time where I decided to um, go to a, a partial hospitalization program for my mental health. And I was there for almost six months um, because I just could not take how I was feeling anymore. I just knew that I wasn't living authentically. I knew that um, my depression was getting in the way of me just being myself and being who I know that I am. Um, so yeah, COVID was a very, 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 very difficult time for me, but also very transformative. And I do feel very grateful that, um, you know, COVID was a very difficult time for myself, for many other people, but I also feel very, um, just grateful that I was able to go back to California and to do this program. That's a resource in itself. That's, you know, I feel very privileged and not everyone has that opportunity to do that, but. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I hope that we're going to see more and more initiatives that allow people, you know, regardless of, of what your circumstances are um, mm -hmm. and resources to access spaces like that because I honestly think that it, it will save lives you know yeah, and um, yeah. yeah and just like you were saying as well I do feel a very strong uh, calling towards that and just being able to be part of a collective that is um, on this path of creating a world that is softer and more accommodating for for people <laughs> to <Yeah>. live in <laughs> to exist in you know mm -hmm. um yeah and um so another thing that I wanted to circle back to is you were mentioning about your connection to nature mm. and I do feel that we are oftentimes so far removed from it uh so it's almost something that we have to like reclaim and even though you and I met in New York on concrete pavements mm -hmm. um I 
do get a sense that you're someone with a deep appreciation for nature, just like you mentioned. And I'd love to hear you speak more on that and your relationship to plant. I was going to say flowers and then I was going to say plants. So plants. (laughs) (laughs) To plants. And how that's evolved or how Mm -hmm. you're exploring it. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a beautiful question. I feel so seen (laughs) just you asking that question because I'm very much, I'm a huge nature person. Mm -hmm. Um, Before I was even born, my dad almost named me um, Doe or Fawn which would have been a very interesting, I think I would have had a different oh, that career would have been path. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is that, is that your spirit animal? I don't know. Maybe. Your... I've never looked into that. I have no idea. I, I um, really I... strongly feel like it is one of your spirit animals. Oh, Just for putting sure. putting that out there. And I'm going to ask sure. you again about your spirit animals, but continue. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll look more into my spirit animals. I have no idea what they are, but, um, I would not be surprised if a deer There's a clue. Was. Yeah. Yeah. That is a clue. <laughs> um, I do feel lucky that my mom decided against that name, but you know, in theory it's cute and makes it for a funny story. Um, but yeah, just my entire life, I've always felt very connected to nature and I feel like that's just, I, I have my own personal relationship with, um, I just through with God or with whatever you want to call it through nature. Um, even living in New York, you know, it was very, uh, full of concrete and buildings and loud noises, but you know, I, you, there's, there's always nature, no matter where you look, even in New York city, um, there's parks, those are free. There's trees. You can go sit under one. Um, on my, on my lunch breaks, you know, I'd work really, really long hours. I had multiple jobs. I'd, you could always find me outside on my lunch break, sitting under a tree, journaling, touching grass. That's so important to me. Um, I would take a train for about an hour, two hours upstate by myself and just go for like all day hike. Uh, when I lived in New York, that was really fun. Um, yeah, my connection and my relationship to nature is and has always been a really strong one. And I feel like I've been able to really find myself and discover more about myself um, through noticing things in nature. Mm. Yeah. 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 All of that just, you know, reaffirms my theory that you are the human embodiment of a fairy. (laughs) So thank you. And I love that you asked me specifically my relationship with, what did you say, plants and flowers? And called Um, the plants. Yeah, my relationship with the plants. It sounds like fancy pants, plants. Um, But yeah, I'm sitting here right now. I wish that there was video because my apartment is just absolutely full to the brim with plants. I feel like I come home with a plant every other weekend and sometimes I'll try to hide them in little crevices and my boyfriend will be like, is this another plant? (laughs) Um, Do you talk to your plants? But I love, oh, of course, of course I do. Yes, of course. Of course you do. Yes, I love that. So do I. Yeah. I try to I try to um, remember to like greet plants when I go out for walks. I try to remember to like say hello, even if it's just in my mind, you know, because sometimes I think about like I, I really wonder if they feel sad when we just yeah. ignore them and walk past and never totally. stop to kind of like admire them or interact with them. Yeah. Yeah, you are a highly sensitive person for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, totally. I don't even, I mean, I, I don't really like outwardly have conversations or practice my jokes on them, but I will like just internally like give them so much, like I will give them this big feeling of like just love and like um, awe and like childlike wonder. I feel like I look at nature a lot of times with this really exciting childlike wonder. I feel like I'm always amazed. Um, and that's very refreshing. And that's a very grounding feeling is, is to practice this, you know, curiosity um, and to notice small things and to be really excited about them. Like if a plant um, buds a new flower, that's so exciting and beautiful. And um, yeah. Have you always yeah. Um, yeah. felt that way? Or is it something that you kind of started developing or noticing more in your later years? Mm, I think a little bit of both. I think I've always felt that way, but I didn't really start appreciating it or noticing it until I got older, until I um, started working and then was able to buy plants with my own money um, (laughs) and get excited about that. Yeah, I think that, I mean, again, as a child, I grew up um, in a small town in the foothills in California, really surrounded by nature. Um, so I've always appreciated that, but I feel like I just haven't noticed that I appreciated it until I, um, was older. That's a really fun part of being an adult is, um, understanding and noticing more about, um, what feels good to you and incorporating more of those things into your life, whether that be women's circles or plant, you know, everyone has their own, everyone has their own thing. Um, and the cool part about being an adult and having a developed brain is that you're able to, um, understand that more and like cultivate and create a life where you're able to collect more of those things. Mm, Definitely. That's so beautiful. I actually just started listening to this podcast this summer that has been life-changing for me and it's called Medicine Stories. Medicine Stories by Amber Magnolia Hill. She's a herbalist who lives, I believe, in Northern California as well. Ooh. Yeah. And so I'm kind of jealous that you're there <laughs> right now <laughs> because um, it's kind of opened up this whole new world to me of women. Um, a lot of them seem to live in, in this area and uh, herbalists who are like, they have these gatherings. Like, I don't know if you've heard of like spirit weavers, but there are no what, all what of these that? like plant things happening where you live <laughs> that what? I can't go to. And it's so funny because when I was living in LA, when I was living in California, I was so oblivious to plants and I was so oblivious mm. to nature. I was just so depressed and caught in this music industry bubble. And I had mm. no idea that there were like actually these things that would have like given me so much energy and joy on my doorstep, but I was so disconnected. I just wasn't in that world at all, Mm. you know, didn't have any connection to it. And now I've even found, you know, this um, herbalist course in LA, you know, that if I was still living there, like I would be signing up immediately. Oh, hell yeah. Because that's definitely something I really want to explore more, just getting in touch with the, with, with the plants and, and herbs and being able to use them and make my own, kind of tinctures and body oils and um yeah 
And so, yeah, I really recommend that podcast. And she has a store as well where she sells a lot of tinctures and body oils. Um, MythicMedicine.love. It's funny how okay. I know, like, <laughs> I just know all exactly of this. Exactly what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I've just listened to it so much and been so inspired. And, uh, I, yeah, I really think you're going to resonate with it as well. And I'll Ooh, leave it in the show notes okay. for everybody okay, else do. to enjoy as well. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, are there any new creative pursuits that you are exploring right now or even thinking of exploring? Ooh, I have. And this is just like, this is an idea. This is like an inkling. This is a seed of an idea that hasn't like grown into actual like planning or like looking up how to do it. So um, who knows, maybe putting this on a podcast will inspire me to actually uh, look into this more. But this is very, very recent. But I've been really looking into life coaching um, and really looking into, um, yeah, just like getting a life coach. But also like there are certifications to be a life coach. And what is life coaching? I think it's a little bit more of an accessible version of therapy. Um, that's my personal two cents or how I at least want to go about it. But yeah, I just feel so inspired to continue cultivating relationships with people in my community and I am not a licensed therapist. Um, and so I think that I'm just trying to search for more ways to connect, um, to people in my area again, um, with greater accessibility than I think what's out there right now. And so women's circles, just continuing to do that. Life coaching sounds really interesting. Um, yeah, I also so want to get certified in, oh, yeah, <laughs> I also want to get certified in art therapy. So I think that, um, oh, yes. I don't know if I've yes. shared this with you before, but I am on the career path of, being a therapist. And I think that as someone who really values accessibility of mental health services and just health services in general, I think that there's so many different ways to express yourself and to move through emotions and to heal. And I think art is a really healing thing that can be very accessible. And so um, I think getting art therapy, um, a certification for that, I that is on my radar. Definitely. And I love that for you. And that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about this year as well, not specifically art therapy, but how mm -hmm. can I use my own medicine and my own healing to, yeah, create more bridges between the things that I do and also just further develop my skills so that I can be more of service. Uh, because I do believe that we all have our own medicine to share and our own unique way of, um, yeah, being able to be of service in this world. And I just find it so inspiring and beautiful when people find their own unique way of doing that. So I'm super excited about all of those things that you mentioned. And um, we're going to wrap up this conversation soon. But before we do, I'd love to know if you have any book recommendations for people to dig into this fall. Ooh, book recommendations. Hmm. I did write some books down in my little journal I have here. Let's see if I can <laughs> find it. 
Hmm. Well, I can't find it, but off the top of my head, some books that really resonate with me and that have really, really just helped me in my journey um, with depression and with connecting to myself and discovering my authentic self. The first one that comes to mind, and I would be so surprised if you have not read this, I'm sure you have, (laughs) is The Four Agreements. Yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) Truly transformational. Um, I Mm. will pick that book up and read it maybe once every couple years because I feel like, um, you know, healing is very, it's not linear. Sometimes it's a little more up and down or even circular than we'd like it to be. And so, you know, you might feel, read a book, you might get really inspired for a couple weeks, a couple months, maybe even a couple years, do all these practices, and then slowly you'll just fall out. And so every couple years, I like to reread that book just to really, really, um, yeah, just nail down, just continuing to be authentic, uh, whatever that looks like or whatever that means to me. So the four agreements, um, also your illustrated guide to becoming one with the universe. Have you heard of that? Ooh, no, I have not, but that is I going wanna... straight onto my list uh, oh, to read. You would love it. I need to look up the author's name so I know I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, Yumi Sakawaga. She is an incredible artist. Um, I highly recommend following her on Instagram. She has a couple different books, um, including There Is No Right Way to Meditate. Um, My personal favorite is Your Illustrated Guide to Becoming One with the Universe. It's an an art book, but also a meditation book. Um, So each page, she draws these really intricate drawings, and it's just about how to connect to the universe in very small and accessible ways. Um, For Christmas, I got a bunch of my loved ones that book uh, because I love it so much. So I highly recommend that one. And my final recommendation is Be Here Now by Ram Dass. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing those. Yeah. I will be sure mm-hmm. to put them in the show notes. And where can people find you and connect with you? Mm, people can find me on Instagram. Um, it's just my first and my last name, Amanda Visger. And other than that, um, you can send a smoke signal. I'm not really on other... <laughs> social media <laughs> platforms i do have an email address but that is about I love it that. <laughs> yeah great i'm gonna put a link to that in the yeah, show notes as you can well. send me letters i would love to get letters <laughs> oh that's amazing i love that yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat with me in public this time i honor you for you know taking the leap and being so open and honest and vulnerable in this conversation and just being so generous with your beautiful energy and wisdom. Mm, It was my absolute pleasure. I always love connecting with you and I'm really proud of you for everything that you're doing and everything that you're continuing to do. And it's, it's really very inspiring to see you create spaces like this out there for creatives and, and just for people to share, just for people to share. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. Thank you. I feel seen by you. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I want. (laughs) Okay, honey. Take care. Thank you for walking the purple path with us. As always, you can find links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. 
If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with someone you think might benefit from it or tag me on Instagram at Music, and let me know what you thought of it. I love hearing from you, so thank you in advance. If you want to connect with me and support this podcast so we can keep it completely ad-free, you can head over to patreon.com slash thepurplepath and subscribe on the $3 level for more content and support on your journey. You will receive a copy of my ebook, The Eight Paths of Radical Authenticity, when you sign up, as well as access to Patreon bonuses for every episode of The Purple Path, including guided meditations, giveaways, PDFs, events, personal stories, and further opportunities for connection. You can also leave a review on iTunes for the chance to feature in an upcoming episode. I am going to read every single one, and I would love to hear how people are receiving this podcast. I am so grateful to you for sharing this space with me. Thank you, and be well. Be well.